0: Okay, welcome uh, everybody who's joining us um, from near or far. Okay, welcome everybody again who's joining us from near and far on whatever uh, platform uh, you may be here. It's so greatly appreciated. Middle of the day to uh, to come out. Hope who are here live are enjoying uh, their sushi. Um, it's great to see everyone again. Let me just admit this person into Zoom. I don't know if it's be it's despite or because of um, coronavirus, but now you know we have people here live. We have people using uh, you know Zoom, and and perhaps you're also listening on the uh, on the podcast, where it be. Everything is greatly appreciated. We welcome everyone. What I want to do today is. I want to actually t- talk about something which is very near and dear to my heart uh which is often misunderstood about the holiday of, of rosh hashanah and that's like you know imagine if i were you know to talk about various themes on rosh hashanah right so you know the usual the terminology if i ask you you know let's play a game you know what uh, called um you know what what comes to mind it's called uh, when I give you a word and you word association, you played that game before association. So you go right, you know, word association. Rosh Hashanah, right? So what words immediately pop uh, into your mind when you hear that? Hey, I'm welcome. What words pop into your mind when you hear that? Apples and honey, right? What else comes into your mind when you hear it? A new year, great. What else? A shofar, wonderful, right? So what in the world are all these things? How are they all connected? And there's another word that that you saw there. So another name for Rosh Hashanah. Remember, I was I went to Associated. In fact uh his grandma your grandmother was my uh grade one teacher grade two teacher grade one teacher she didn't teach this to me because you know god forbid sort of secular teachers talk anything jewish right but my uh, in grade one or whatever i was in i was told there's another name for rosh hashanah another name for rosh hashanah is yom adin judgment day and then later on when i became a little more advanced and i actually tried to pay attention to the sidur I noticed that we also say something very interesting. What do we say after we blow the shofar? We say, Hayom Harat Olam. Harat means herayon, birthday. Today is the birthday or the pregnancy day of the world. So, you know, generally speaking, I don't associate birthdays and judgment days is the same. You know, like, so uh, my daughter turned five over the summer. If I were to like have her friends over, I hate little kid birthdays. Like, I actually despise them. So I was hiding in the basement. You know, it was coronavirus. So I couldn't be outside. There were kids here, so I was hiding in the basement. And I came in at the end, and they were involved in, like, a game that, uh, you know, plays music, and then it stops, and they freeze. What's, uh, music, what, what's it called? Freeze dance. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Freeze dance, right? So I decided that I was going to play because, you know, the 5 five-year-olds. And most group are 5 year olds. Very very easy to make five-year-olds laugh. 20-year-olds laugh That's very difficult. But five-year-olds is more... More, actually, you what know, else is very difficult? She's a classic chat. Wearing a mask, I can you go to laugh, is very difficult. Because they're like, like, is he serious? Is he not serious? We can't tell, right? When you, when, you, when you wear a mask, it's much harder to tell. I think it's very profound message, but not for now. So imagine if I were to tell, you know, my, my daughter's five-year-old birthday party. Okay, everybody, happy birthday. And by the way, we're going to light up. I'm going to put a tribunal. I'm going to judge everybody here. Right? We're not going to judge you, right? The parents would sue me for psychological abuse. Like what? okay. We're having a tribunal at the kid's birthday party. Like, what's going on here? That's absurd. You don't normally associate Judgment Day and birthdays in the same in the same meaning, right? So it's very, very peculiar. This whole this whole idea, very, very odd. We're gonna tell you that it's, it's connected. So, what exactly is that connection? What What does it mean? So, the other thing is is like, what's the emotion of the day? um i once went to court i might have been caught driving too quickly and this is years ago years ago full disclosure many many years ago and i remember it's very odd the whole court said i meet the court before i the court now it's not like you know like you know murder row or something right but it's weird and it's it's informal and it's formal and this person walks in who looked to me more like a hashverosh than, than a judge right and um Anyways, whatever. And uh and it's kind of a joke and but it wasn't a joke. I like was able to like bargain and like just talk to someone ahead of time and like it was it, it was over. But the point is is that it was, you know, a little nerve wracking, right? Standing and the person stands up and you state your name and who you are, like, whoa, this is like you no, know, that sounds sounds very serious. Quite serious. But if it was such a serious day, it's also very peculiar because you know what we do? We eat. I wouldn't necessarily associate Judgment Day with eating, but it is. It's very much a major rule. In fact, this year we're going to feel it even more. Why? Because like, you know, imagine you have these, there are many Jews who go to synagogue very few times. I'm not talking about because of the coronavirus. (laughs) They go to synagogue in general, and they usually go on Rosh Hashanah. So they go on Rosh Hashanah, and let's pretend they haven't been to Shul in a year, because maybe they go Pesach, but. There probably wasn't sure Pesach, so I've been to Shul since last year. They're gonna show up this Shabbos, and maybe they're gonna show up the show. Finish with the Shul, they're gonna be very disappointed because guess what? There's no show for it. Like the main, the main mitzvah, the main stand, the main player is not even there. But you know what, still is there? Plunge. There, what's going on here? It's very strange, a very strange day, okay. There's a lot that I think we have to understand. We're not going to have time for everything, which is why it's okay, because I'm going to do this again on Thursday. <laughs> so, But don't worry, it'll be a self-contained in case you have class, you can't make it on Thursday. What I want to do is, I want to take us to the only recorded Rosh Hashanah in the Tanakh. If you understand the Tanakh, if you understand the context of Rosh Hashanah, I think you're going to have a much greater insight into the day and what this means for us, even in 2020. Okay? So, if you're um if you're on zoom i'm actually going to do a screen share so this way you guys see the text if you're right in front of me it's fine i just i was going to print it out and i wasn't sure if you mean you know, i don't print things out and it's fine i'll read it to you it doesn't matter so much so i'm going to read to you from Nehemia. you ready now what's great about nehemiah is like everybody i want from nehemiah anyone's gonna be like no that doesn't say it there <laughs> most people agree from nehemiah I'm like, okay, I guess that's what it says there, right? So it says not the most like popular choice in high in high school, in high school yeshiva, seminary, you know, not the most popular the book. But the truth is there's a couple pastors, in Davening, and that's quite popular. Aside from that, not that popular. I'm gonna fast forward to the eighth chapter of Nehemiah. The background of Nehemiah is really important. The Jewish people have returned to rebuild Jerusalem after destruction in the first. Beit Dash. It is not a great time the Jewish people. They are really struggling financially, spiritually, economically. The locals are giving them trouble. They're just trying to rebuild their lives after the first exile. And Nehemia is an inspirational individual and he gathers all the people. And he gathers all the people together. Okay. He's about to give a very, very powerful speech. Okay. I'm going to skip. I'll read this part later, but I'm going to give to you a speech okay are you ready he speaks you know what he does all he does is open up the torah and read from the torah and then he closes it the the, it tells us that everyone is there started crying are you ready i'm reading from pasuk tet 8.9 everyone cries now as a rabbi who has given many uh torah and sermons on rosh hashanah right if you're like, if, if there's like rabbi, the next day of Rosh Hashanah, a few rabbis are talking, you know, over Zoom or in, in person, whatever, and they're comparing notes. One rabbi's like, I gave a speech. You have no idea. I gave a sermon on Rosh Hashanah. I had 20,000 emails afterwards from people who said it was the best speech they ever heard. One guy says, emails, that's nothing. I had people line up personally to tell me how amazing I was. The third guy says, shh. Hey, every person crying in my synagogue. Tears. The other two rabbis would be like, wow, you got everyone to cry? What a sermon, what a speech. What'd you do? And you know what he says? Open oh, the Torah. I read the Torah. That's what Nehemia does. He opens the Torah, he reads the Torah, everybody cries. Now you would think as a rabbi, as a leader, you're like, I just hit a home run. I just moved the people. But Nehemia is not happy with people crying. Can you believe it? A rabbi speaks and they're not happy and people are crying? My kids all make fun of me that uh, they said, How many people cried after after you spoke? Right? They went, I said, there tears of pain or tears of joy, right? <laughs> okay. So listen to this. I'm gonna read you what it says. He screams at them, right? And what does he say to them? <speaking> Go home and eat fatty foods and drink sweet drinks. Probably some liqueurs of some sort, right? Maybe you know beer, honey, or honey beer, or something, right? Again, Mishloach By the way, it's a great trivia question. Where do you see Mishloach not Everyone knows about it Purim. It's actually mentioned in Nehemia. You have to give Mishloach Manot on Rosh Hashanah. Right here, Mishloach Give gifts, give portions. Why? Ki kadosh. Hayom Right? Remember that? Okay, well, you forget you'll hear the Shabbos, right? So, that's what he says. Can you believe it? Nechemi tells the people to stop crying, go home and eat lunch. Can you believe it? Stop crying. It's Rosh Hashanah. And you're emphasizing eating and drinking and being festive and go give gifts to people? What? That's not the Rosh Hashanah that I know. Then he goes on to say, why? He says, this is a very, very powerful day. Go home, eat food, drink wine, give gifts. It's a holy day. Okay? And, oh, and what else? Don't be sad. Rejoice in the Lord is the source of your strength. What's going on here? Okay. We have to understand what this means. In order to understand what Rosh Hashanah really means, we need to understand what really is Rosh Hashanah. How is what is the only definition of Rosh Hashanah in the Torah is defined as one thing, and that is Yom Trua Yelachem or Yom Zichron Trua Yelachem. Right? That's it. That's how the Torah identifies it in two different places in Emor and in Pinchas. Uh, one word difference. Can anyone tell me what's Yom Trua Yelachem? What's a Trua? What's a Trua? So we have to understand that based on Pesukim in the Torah, a Trua was understood to mean a sound Yom Trua. Right? Who that we use a truer sound from the Khatsu throat, that's what we would use, and from the shofar to elicit a truer sound. Now, where's the first time in the Torah that a shofar is sounded? Not that we see, you know, there's like Avraham in the ayo, but we don't actually blow the shofar there, right? Where's the first time we hear the sound of a shofar in the Torah? Anybody know? First time. Matandora. Well that's really interesting. You know why that's really interesting? Cuz at Matan Torah, you know what we become? A nation and a people. That's the founding moment of Judaism. Founding moment of Judaism. We hear the show for. Now, do we actually see God? You no, know, that's called paganism. We don't see God. Right? We hear God's voice. We don't see God. We see that many many times that we didn't see we didn't see. Remember God was, remember there's a cloud you and know, Har You know what I mean? Like imagine you're buying tickets to an event and you can't see cuz there're clouds. You want a refund, right? But God made it cloudy on purpose. Why are there clouds on top of our Sinai? Because this is not a visual experience. Judaism plays down the visual experience and heightens which one of our senses? Hearing. Cuz we can never we, in, the closest encounter that we can have with God is not through sight. Because God ain't no goof, ain't no dumuta goof, but you can hear God. To experience God is an auditory experience. And before God reveals himself through words, there's ko shovar, chazak, maud. If you take a look at the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, which I highly recommend you do, the entire episode, atan nigleita, ahar kvodecha. That God revealed himself on this great mountain of glory. Now, why are the people crying by Nehemiah? The people are crying by Nehemiah because they didn't keep the Torah properly. When is the first time? What's the founding moment of when we accepted the Torah willingly? Of course, it was at Har Sinai. And Rosh Hashanah has these three dimensions. Malchiyot, Zichonot, and Shofarot. Shofarot are the main players, called the Shofar. But Malchiyot, we coronate God as king. Now, we be careful. Don't think of God as a medieval God or as like some, you know, you know, perennial type of uh, uh, despot, right? That's not a king really. Um, Lev, oh, what's the pasuk? Lev Malachim, Lev Adam. Kind of the pasuk in, in Malachim. But, I can't recall it, but the function of a king is to actually care about the people, right? When Shlomo Melech Remember the Shlomo is a dream? Remember, and, and God appears to him. and says, what do you want? You're so smart. Sorry, that's not what he asked for. Okay, he says, you're so good. What do you want? And what does Shlomo ask for? Not riches, not money. Asked for knowledge. And then got wise, So you judge the people, understand the people, right? So you need a, uh, that, then there's this whole thing. Remember the, and then who shows up later? These two ladies, the prostitutes, right? That's a, it's a great story, actually, for another time. It's a very, very important story. It tells you about the role of a king really is. How does someone know who was right and who was wrong? Remind me. It's a great, uh, I gave that share a couple of years ago. It's a great, it's really, really interesting. But the function there is that the, what's the purpose of a king? It's to judge. When you judge someone, listen to this. If I actually judge you, it means I should care about you. If I judge you, it actually means things actually matter. What I do actually matters. The fact that I was speeding and I had to go to court meant that it actually matters what I did. If you live in a world where nothing matters and your actions are meaningless, if your actions are meaningless, you're meaningless because you have no meaning or purpose. So Rosh Hashanah is the day that we're born because the day that we're born actually matters and has significance and has a purpose. We didn't just were born into a helpless, hopeless world, but rather we have a sense of meaning and purpose. So when we talk about today being a birthday, a birthday is a day of potential, a day of creation, a day of well, what will you make of your own life. God says, "I created you. I'm your Creator. I'm your King." That's not a negative thing. It's actually a beautiful thing. And when did we become a nation and a people? On, at Har Sorry, at Har And on Rosh Hashanah, we remind ourselves of Yom Zichron Truah. What was that great day of the shofar? It was Matan Torah. And that's why one of the main things that we do on Rosh Hashanah is, of course, blow the shofar. Because that's a coronation moment. We remember God's voice. By the way, what's the bracha over the shofar? There's no mitzvah to blow your own shofar, is there? There's no mitzvah to blow your own shofar. We don't like, it's not like a lulav versus a of lulav. Right? Sit in your own sukkah? No. By a shofar? It's an auditory experience. Well, isn't that interesting? Because that's the same experience that we had in Har Sinai. It's about listening. Rosh Hashanah emphasizes the listening. And the shofar, and the people trembled. But they didn't tremble because, although the truth is Midrash doesn't understand it this way, the simple understanding is they panicked because there's a sound and light show. When you go to a sound and light show, there's sound, there's thunder, hearing the voice of God, sound of the shofar, right? There's no shofar, there's No real shofars there. You hear the sound of the shofar. It appears that almost God speaks in the sound of the shofar. Okay, so it, Rashi has a beautiful understanding of what the Shofar means. Have you ever heard this word, u It's a pasuk in Parshat Balak. Parshat Balak, which you don't ever get to. It's like the beginning of the summer, like it's in the midbar. We don't usually get there ever, so it's okay. It says Rashi, what is Tru'at Melech? We think sometimes of Yom Tru'ah as something negative. It's not how it's understood. Trua means Reimauvim, right? Ever remember a wedding? Reimauvim, right? Friends, beloved, Trua is about love. Trua is about a relationship. Yom Trua, or Yom Zichron Trua, is remembering and recalling the love and that relationship that God had the Jewish people wear at the first time at Harsinai. Wow, that's amazing. I now want to read to you and go back to the words of Nehemiah. And I'm gonna show you that Nehemiah, when he gathers the people and tries to inspire them, he's recreating the Harsinai moment. Listen to this, are you ready? All the introductory words I skipped on purpose. Now I'm gonna read them. Rakhov means a street. Why do I care that Nehemiah gathers the people by a street? Anyone know another name for Harsinai? Chorev. Wow. Chorev and Rachov sure sound the same, don't they? Interesting. Let's continue reading. Asher Livnei, Shar Hamayim. What's f- Shar Hamayim, the Watergate? This is not referring to U.S. politics from the olden days, right? But instead, you know what I'm talking about? Go to American history. What's Shar Hamayim? Shar Hamayim sure sounds like Shemayim, right? So, by the Harsinai, by Shemayim. That's exactly what it says. From the heaven, we heard God's voice. Next. Turns out Zosofir, brings up the Torah, and who stands there? Who's standing by this kahal? He brings a gathering. Who stands there? I'll tell you. The first day, of the seventh month, which, guess what? That's called Rosh Hashanah. So he reads, he gathers the people. They're all standing there, just like they stood at and I When? Isn't it funny? On the first day of Tishrei, we call Rosh Hashanah. And what does he do? Again, he mentions this Rachov. I know it's the Rachov. You told me that too, Pesukim, earlier. Answer? It needs to be highlighted because the word Rachov is like Chorev. Continue. Next is Sharmayim. Mina or until midday. He read from the Torah for six hours. No one asked for a refund. Six hours from the morning till the middle of the day. Even longer than Shua and for sure longer than Shua this year. Right, I'm gonna stop with those jokes. Don't worry. I, I, in front of everybody, who reads, reads the Torah, reads the Sefer Torah. Well, now guess what? Guess what he's doing? Where's he standing? He's standing on a tower, reading the Torah. That image is very similar to Moshe standing on a mountain, reading and teaching the Torah to the people. The Torah, the mountain, right in the heaven. And he reads it. Now, listen to the names. Then the Torah, sorry, the Torah. Then Nehemia gives us information that seems totally irrelevant. Listen to the names. It will describe who is being flanked by him, meaning who is standing on both sides next to him. Are you ready? Listen to these names. Tell me if they like mean anything or if they're just like random names. Are you ready? One person is standing next to Nehemia. His name is Matitia. What does Matitia sound like to you? Matana, a present. The Torah was a present. Next word. Next guy's name is Shema. Shin Memayim. That sounds like? Shema. Listen. Next word. Oniah. Respond. Next. Uriah. Or. Light. Chilkiah. Achylek. Maase Masia. Every word of these people, either their parents are very super not creative, right? Or, and by the way, the Tanakh does this a lot. Often names in Tanakh, this is controversial, but I, I will prove but not now. Often names in Tanakh are written, not the name that their parents gave them, but what the Tanakh gave them. That's very important to understand. Because the Tanakh is about themes and meaning. You know, when people have names like Machlon and Kilyon, I can't imagine their parents called them death and destruction. Hey, happy birthday, death. Right? Welcome to it hard to imagine. Because the names are totally relevant. Torah is trying to give us an understanding of what they mean. Right? Okay. Next, I can read you more words. Malkia, right? Zacharia is one of the names. All these are references to Torah, Harsinai experience. And guess what happens? He reads it. He gives a bracha, and everyone says, Vanu Am, Amen, Amen. Where else did B'nai Yisrael answer? Amen, Amen. Of course, at Har Sinai. He reconstructs the Har Sinai moment. Why is Nehemi doing this? Historical context I got four minutes. The people were so disconnected. It tells us in Nehemia that they were married to non Jews. They barely spoke Hebrew. They barely knew anything about the tradition. So Nechemiah says, I need to educate them and inspire them. But what's my message to them? I read them from the Torah and they break down in tears. Why? I just told you. Why? Because, uh, just, like 20 minutes ago. Because they didn't keep the Torah. When you hear words of Sefer Dvarim, that what's going to happen when you keep the Torah, and you realize you don't keep any of those mitzvot, you'd also break down and cry. But Nehemiah wasn't happy. His goal wasn't to get the people to cry. I was being a little bit sarcastic. The goal of the rabbi is not to get people to cry. That's not helpful. But what's the goal? Is to inspire them and to realize, no, God wants this relationship with you. You can always change your ways. So you haven't been this way for so long. It doesn't matter. If I read you the Torah, look at the brachot that could happen. What does he say to them? Stop crying. Go home. Eat. Celebrate. Chedvat Hashem Hima God is your strength. If today is your birthday, right, if this is Rosh Hashanah, this is a day of Yom Harat Olam, that means it's the day of potential. It's Yom Trua. It's a day of love. It's not a day of guilt, it's not a day of hate, it's not a day of judgment, day of dread. It's a day of realizing that there's a mission, there's a purpose, and there's a sense of significance. That's what Nechemiah need to teach the people. Not, it's not helpful. You know, sometimes we talk about Jewish guilt. Jewish guilt is, is often not helpful, right? Because guilt is about the past. Nechemiah needed to, pe- to teach the people. And what we need to remind ourselves is, it's about the future. What happened in the past is the past. Today is about celebrating the moment and the experience at Sinai. That divine revelation, we became a people. tells Nehemiah to this new generation, you are not at Sinai. And we were not at Sinai. Physically, all of us here right now. We're part of that people. I'm a part of that nation. And that moment is recreated on Rosh Hashanah. Isn't that counterintuitive? Rosh Hashanah is about oh yes, bees. Sorry. I didn't mention anything about bees. I didn't put up bee traps. Okay. I do not think I needed bees if I've uh, if it's cold. Shouldn't away. So I think the message of Nechemya is such a beautiful message. Because the beauty of Rosh Hashanah is about celebrating the moment. That's why when you have no shofar, guess what? You can still have Rosh Hashanah. Because shofar is not the goal. You hear this? Shofar is the means. Food is the goal, as counterintuitive as that sounds, because it's about celebrating. Who we are and what we are. And that we still have on Shabbos. The shofar, yom and yom chuah, remember the true of, remember the love, remember the relation, remember our sinai. Sometimes we've come so far from that moment. It's been months, it's been years, it's been decades, it's been centuries, it's been millennia, it's been generations of that moment to remember, to recall, and to relive, and to appreciate. It's never too late. And that's the message that Yechemi wants to tell the people. And I believe that's the message that's underlined. And Rosh Hashanah in the next, uh, God willing, in a few days from now. So everybody, look at this, I got under the wire by one o'clock. And thanks everyone for joining live or wherever you may be. Have a great day over here. We're about to enjoy sushi. I don't know what you're going to enjoy over there. But uh, thank you for joining us all over.